0: Good afternoon, my name is uh, Abdullah Avaracha. I'm a member of faculty here at Gibbs, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome you from a very cold and a very wet uh, Johannesburg, uh, and to bring this uh, session with you. Uh, today, we're going to spend some time in this LinkedIn Live session, interacting with you, uh, and talking about macroeconomic strategy. So on behalf of JP Morgan, and the Entrepreneurship Development Academy here at Gibbs, uh, it gives me great pleasure to spend s- to spend the next 30 minutes with you, uh, and also to introduce to you uh, Professor Adrian Saville who will be my guest for today's session. Adrian is a visiting professor here at Gibbs where he teaches in the area of economics and, and strategy uh, and also uh, is the founder and chief executive of Canon Asset Managers. Adrian has been a colleague of mine for over 10 years here at Gibbs uh, and really a colleague that I've come to really value and appreciate in terms of his insight, in terms of the contribution that he makes firstly at a company level but also at a country level and also for uh, i think the significant amount of work that he does uh, in this area of macroeconomics uh, and also strategy and so without much further ado i'm going to hand over to adrian the format of the session will be as follows i'll spend uh, or adrian will spend the next 15 to 20 minutes giving you some thoughts and some perspectives in terms of where he sees the contextual environment from a uh, strategy perspective at the same time i'll take all of your inputs your perspectives uh, into account I'll put that together and then I'll spend some time bringing you into the conversation as we engage and connect and interact with Adrian uh, over the next 15 minutes after that we do the session every week as you know from 1.30 to 2 uh, and it's always live but we'll also have the recording of today's session in all of our social media platforms so without much further ado Adrian it's a pleasure to have you with us thank you for spending some time with us today and uh,
1: Thank you for providing your valued contribution. Thanks, Abdullah. Uh, it's good to be uh, with all of you this afternoon, as Abdullah says, from a very, very cold uh, Johannesburg. Um, uh, we've we've moved far enough into the environment now that we can get out of the business of shock and awe and start uh, uh, paying far more substantial attention to uh, recovery. Um, uh, it's resilience that's got us into this aspect of, uh, of the conversation. And so uh, attention if we take guidance from uh, other economies that went into COVID-19 uh, ahead of us that have started to come out, we can take guidance from them, lessons from them, uh, and also uh, interpretation of our own circumstance and environment to talk about uh, what the next part of uh, 2020 looks like. First piece of data that I want to share with you is just where are we in terms of expectations for uh, the uh, headline uh, economic result for 2020 and uh, coming into the year uh, the expectation was that the South African economy would deliver rather feeble growth. Uh, just under a percent uh, and there was lots of hand-wringing and complaining I belonged to that cohort uh, uh, muttering that this was another year of rather anemic growth that it was below population growth it would be another year in which per capita incomes went backwards and that needed to be contrasted against world economic growth of three (laughs) percent I think we would now take that result uh, with both hands, um, that with the benefit of hindsight, uh, that would be uh, a good outcome. Instead, uh, the uh, impacts of uh, COVID-19 are likely to see the world economy not grow by 3%, but shrink by 3%. The South African economy, instead of the Uh, just shy of 1% growth is likely to come in with something like a minus 8% growth rate if we take the South African Reserve Bank's number and if we take uh, a a broader consensus amongst private sector economists, the number starts to go into double-digit any way you dress it up This is the sharpest decline that the South African economy has on record and it starts to manifest in a range of ways one of the most obvious is uh, in terms of uh, headline macroeconomic indicators, such as a budget deficit. And the budget deficit looks like it'll come in at about 13% uh, of GDP. That is an extraordinary number. It uh, puts uh, uh, ammunition into the ratings agency's decision to downgrade South Africa. And it uh, in turn forces South Africa to head to quite likely international funders to help us walk through this very slow growth and deep uh, deficit environment. When we move from those headline macroeconomic numbers into the implications for for business, uh, uh, one of the uh, pieces of data that we can, I think, take guidance from is the implication of the economy for company earnings. the next piece of data that i want to show you is a survey that we've been running for more than 20 years it's the relationship between world economic growth and the bottom line performance of all of the companies that make up the msci all world index so this is thousands of large companies across industries across geography multi-currency And the relationship isn't quite one-to-one, but it matches fairly closely in the language of statistics, it rhymes. Um, And uh, from this we can infer that about two-thirds of company performance is explained by what's going on outside the room, the macro economy. And with the world economy going into a minus 3% result, the impact for companies is likely to be minus 50% in terms of earnings growth or earnings shrinkage. Uh, It's an absolutely staggering number. We can take the same argument and bring it into the South African circumstance. And uh, as we've done with the global evidence, we've done similar work on South Africa, looking at the performance of all JSE listed companies. And I appreciate that this conversation is about mid and smaller sized businesses. We'll come to that in a moment, but we can take guidance from this. And from the JSE data, we find a very similar result that there is a high correspondence between what's going on in the broad economy and the implication for South African company bottom line performance. If we uh, take our uh, forecast for economic growth, and translates it into the likely outcome for South African firms. It's a a similar minus 50% performance in earnings. So this is a sharp contraction. It's much bigger than global financial crisis. It's deeper and it's longer. Um, There are for South Africa, I think some redeeming features or some sources of perhaps it's sweeping to suggest silver lining but yeah, maybe redeeming features is the right term and redeeming features would take the form of I've got this on the next slide in, a, in an animation that we have a large number of uh, listed companies that sit in uh, I'll use inverted commas here good geographies geographies that have got more resilience China being most obvious and that would feed through to the likes of NUSPAS which makes up a large part of our listed earnings base. A second uh, redeeming feature is that the commodity market, which went into intense pressure in March and early April, has actually rebounded, uh, displaying uh, some quite remarkable buoyancy. And a large part of the JSE footprint will derive earnings from that. And that has spillover and multiplier implications. And then a third component is uh, roughly 70% of JSE listed company earnings uh, are dollar derived or dollar denominated. And over the course of 2020, the Rand has lost 23% against the dollar. So you, you get a read through effect then in terms of implications for earnings. Of course, those earnings are somewhat artificial, they are externally derived, and they're not endemic to to the local environment. Uh, And so we can start to sort of push that aside and say, okay, well, you know, that's the academic stuff, let's talk about where the rubber hits the road. And where the rubber hits the road, the language quickly starts to turn to business stress, business anxiety, and business failure. And we've got a large, uh, a number of large companies that have gone into business rescue. There's a couple of examples uh, on uh, on the slides here. Edcon uh, being in a, a headline example. SAA getting a lot of airtime, uh, air And as recently as yesterday, a speculation that that business might be rescued with a 26 billion bailout. Uh, Pumalela uh, uh, Gaming and uh, Horse Racing, um, Uh, entertainment, leisure. So it's almost uh, uh, irrespective of industry. It's across industries, across company size. Uh, This is a place where COVID-19 takes no prisoners. Once we've moved from the discussion about companies, uh, economy and companies, we can then take the discussion to a third level, which is at the level of families. And at the level of families, the numbers are absolutely harrowing. The headline uh, numbers suggest that as many as a million jobs will be lost in the formal sector. That will take our unemployment rate from the high 20s, where we've been hanging out uh, over the last year or so, into the mid 30s. And uh, Ruth Hall from PLAS has estimated that another five million from the informal sector might join that unemployment pool. And uh, that is not so much speculation because the fragility of that part of the workforce is substantial. They, they don't have the ability to go a couple of months. So in all likelihood, those people have uh, already entered the unemployment pool, and it's the formal sector that will come and join the unemployment pool as a lag factor. Any way we dress it up, uh, it looks like this. Uh, minus 8% or more economic growth uh, or economic shrinkage, a budget deficit of 13% of GDP, uh, a uh, 50% decline in company earnings and 1 million formal sector, 5 million informal sector join the unemployment pool. Uh, These numbers are absolutely horrifying and that's the, the shock and awe that I spoke about. We've had time to deal with this uh, and digest this circumstance in our personal capacity. We know that the implications are different across industry and here I've got uh, a little uh, cluster map for you that shows you uh, by population of the pie charts, which industries are likely to experience greater impact by now already, you know, we we also know this by now, we know that it's, um, Uh, It's leisure, uh, it's food services that have felt the greatest impact um, and that some parts of the economy have uh, enjoyed a degree of immunity. What uh, I think what's notable in, in moving into a discussion about so where to from here is if these are the circumstances that we're dealing with, what do we do or what does it look like from here and in the balance of uh, uh, the time that I've got to talk to the slide deck with you I'd like to talk to to two things the first is the shape and nature of the recovery and the second is the shape and nature of our individual and business responses so what is the environment going to do to us and what can we do back my sort of cheesy throwaway would be, that's the MBA uh, in 10 minutes, (laughs) is what's the macroeconomic implication? How are we going to be impacted? And then strategically, what can we do back to to, uh, establish resilience, buoyancy, and participate in recovery? So first from uh, the top-down perspective, what does the environment look like for the second half of 2020? Well, uh, the column charts that I've got uh, on this next slide show the extent of the stimulus, of the policy stimulus provided under the global financial crisis. And then, by comparison, the policy stimulus across a range of com- uh, countries provided under COVID 19. And the stimulus under COVID 19 absolutely. Uh, 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 towers over the stimulus provided under global financial crisis. And when we were in global financial crisis, we were talking about extraordinary measures, massive stimulus. So I think what's notable about the the stimulus, the policy stimulus that has been provided to economies is, A, uh, it is off the charts. The numbers uh, uh, go into... 10, 15, 20% of GDP. Second, the policy is with with both hands. It is fiscal policy and monetary policy. Fiscal policy in the the form of government spending, business relief. Uh, Once the lockdown starts to thaw um, uh, or unlock, uh, it takes the shape of infrastructure programs, we we suspect that there is a 20 billion infrastructure program on its way for South Africa. Um, And then monetary policy, which will provide balance sheet relief. And then uh, social relief in the form of unemployment benefits. Now, one way I think of looking uh, at South Africa's uh, COVID-19 stimulus package is that it's actually provided a version of universal income. Uh, which is an extraordinary policy uh, initiative, a very bold, brave uh, policy step in an exceptionally fragile environment. So that's the top-down stuff and markets have responded to this by suggesting that the recovery is going to be quick, that it's going to be V-shaped. And now there's a lot of hand-wringing about, well, it might not be V-shaped, it might actually be U-shaped or L-shaped or W-shaped. The evidence that we've got coming from other countries, China most notably, and already some industry in South Africa, is that it's looking sort of slowly uh, U-ish turning into V-ish that it's not quite V and it's uh, not a flat U but that it's heading into steeper but not uh, uh, accelerated recovery so on the next uh, chart to evidence this I'm showing you three pieces of data on the right hand side this is two charts from China the one is Uh, the um, recovery in city spend on the top right of that chart, that's spending by large cities in China, and you can get a sense of the recovery there. Uh, It's not quick, uh, it's a slow thawing. And then the bottom right-hand chart is uh, airline traffic, Uh, domestic and local, local uh, dominating, uh, uh, sorry, domestic and international, with obviously domestic dominating the numbers. And it shows you that uh, there has been recovery, but that it's not V, it's uh, more gentle. And then the large uh, uh, chart, the column chart, shows you South Africa's um, mall traffic. This is data from the listed company HyProp. Uh, in a recent trading update, and uh, it gives a sense that the recovery in South Africa also is in a scallop shaped and is likely to be more U ish turning into a V than uh, a sharp recovery. So uh, the stimulus is substantial, uh, it's going to lead to uh, a big rebound in important economies. That will be very helpful for South Africa as a small, open country. Uh, There's evidence that South Africa is starting to come out of lockdown uh, with important evidence of recovery. Now I want to turn to what could we do back. Uh, There's three pieces uh, of argument or evidence that I'm going to grab here. The first is that what we don't want to do, uh, in, in, in my view, is recover in the way that we went in. Uh, The way that we went in was with a highly unequal economy, uh, energy inefficiency, state-owned enterprises that were in trouble, a strained state balance sheet, feeble economic growth. Here's the chance for reinvention. And an example of reinvention uh, would take the shape of the alternative energy industry. That South Africa has one of the highest photovoltaic footprints in the world, yet we have one of the lowest rates of Uh, uh, sustainable energy usage. Most of South Africa's energy is coal fired despite the fact that we are overwhelmingly, uh, we have an overwhelming propensity for uh, uh, solar photovoltaic. So that's uh, uh, in the short time that we've got an example of thinking about reinvention. The uh, second is at the company level, uh, businesses that are able to, now this horribly overused word, pivot. And I've got here a couple of um, company logos of businesses that have done some really interesting stuff in short spaces of time. Uh, uh, some pivots... Uh, are in the moment, Safaricom is a great case in point, where they waived all fees on money transfers under M-Pesa. Now that's gonna be very expensive for them in the immediate term. And it looks exceptionally expensive and very, very inefficient. But what it does is it buys uh, deep customer loyalty. It builds deep uh, pits of uh, customers that will stick with them uh, uh, for this commitment. To the relationship. Zipline, which is delivering uh, pharmaceuticals in Ghana and Rwanda using, um, uh, uh, using drones, lay the food business in uh, the restaurant business in the UK, turns all of its restaurants into uh, uh, food stores and looks after not just their own immediate business but all of their supply chain through that pivot. That's uh, I think an extraordinary um, uh, swift turn. AB InBev with um, uh, alcohol as a sanitizer as opposed to alcohol going into beverages and Best Western which made their hotel rooms available to medical staff. So these are examples of ways in which businesses have been able to turn in the moment and now it's about how do we turn into the new environment. And so I've got as a last picture uh, two uh, images, the one uh, of the Battle of Iwo Jima and the other of um, uh, 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 rowing uh, activity. And these are references to what we can do in our businesses because uh, in our businesses we find ourselves, the reference to Iwo Jima is not to uh, sort of aggrandize battle, uh, but we find ourselves in the fog of war. Uh, in crisis, in exceptionally difficult circumstances and in that environment it is the strength of the team that shines through and by now I would venture uh, you know in your teams who is in the battle with you, uh, who is at war with you, not against you. Pull that in close, uh, and this is how we start to turn macro environment into uh, bottom-up business strategy. Uh, War is an environment in which the outcome is impossible to predict. It's hard to know, you're speculating, you're anticipating what the enemy might do or might not do. You don't quite know what they've got uh, tucked in the wings or hidden uh, as a second wave, to use the COVID analogy. And then the rowing uh, reference is to emphasize that any form of recovery uh, in your business is, is a team sport. It's not about you uh, as the leader. Uh, you're not in this alone. And here some aspects I think are invaluable. The first is if you're going to thrive in rowing, it's about coordination and coordination requires communication and who should you be communicating to communicating uh, to and with your team Uh, communicating with your suppliers with your customers constant communication and then letting them communicate to you Uh, listening carefully to the environment Uh, we get this again and again from our studies of teams that are effective and successful is there sensitivity and their attentiveness to not only communicating clearly and effectively but listening to what that environment is telling them back recognizing that different parts of the team bring different skills and different attributes uh, that your position in the boat is going to give you a different capability um, and that there might be headwinds there might be tailwinds in my own business experience Having taken a financial services company an investment firm through the global financial crisis of 10 years ago, I can tell you we've done some hard yards uh, in our life. And one of the things that really struck me and has stuck with me uh, through that experience is what happens when you get into the industry of honest communication with your suppliers and with your customers and how they quickly turn from being a feared enemy to an extraordinary ally. So the environment is tough. I think the second half of the year uh, looks better than the first half, and in a touch wood, uh, it's filled with far fewer shocks and surprises than we ever imagined at the start of the year. And I think that these strategic uh, aspects uh, that I've given in the closing comments are things that we could pull into individual businesses to help us uh, navigate and negotiate into this uh, recovery and return to uh, 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 economic buoyancy and I won't say uh, the new normal I think it's new Lovely. Thank you very much I think Thank some, you, Abdullah.
0: some excellent inputs I want to actually bring some of our uh, participants into this conversation and the one perhaps you've talked about different forms of a recovery perhaps an element of a you some parts of a V, people talk about this Nike type of swish of a recovery. <laughs> uh, but but Gau Ballora argues that what we've seen and currently happening in Beijing at the moment is the resurgence of COVID and then a resurgence in terms of this lockdown mm. and the imperative. And, and, the view there and that's is the W. It's a W, right? Yeah. And so, so the view then is, is w- how do we actually look at the recovery when we've got elements of opening the economy up, closing off, opening up, locking yeah. down again. And, and do you see that as potentially becoming
1: more disruptive
0: uh, in this environment? So that,
1: that brings uncertainty. That puts into our boat race a headwind, another headwind right. uh, and turbulence into the water. So what, uh, what should we be doing uh, in that environment? We should be pulling in all of the tools uh, and aspects that we have developed and started and, and built coming into this uh, circumstance, the things that we've learned in the last couple of months equip us to deal with uh, with that second wave. As it stands, um, it looks like there is a, a reasonably good chance of this second wave response, and then that puts us into W territory. Right. So, so linked to
0: that, uh, and, and it's a question from Zelda, one of the trends that we've seen as a result of COVID is a shift in terms of supply chains. Mm. And one of the things we've started to see in countries is a movement towards more of a dependency on local supply chains, so yep. buy local. And her question is very much, do you see this as potentially a short term trend or something that's going to change consumer behavior in the long term that could be particularly beneficial for Africa? Mm. And she talks about a Z-shape type of recovery.
1: Um, I think that's a really interesting uh, aspect and that's what uh, I would reference with the new. Right. Um, And you and I have spoken about this. This could actually be a dawning of an entirely new epoch uh, of industrialization that it brings in the importance of uh, disaggregated supply chains, uh, mitigating risk by having multiple suppliers, uh, closer to home suppliers, uh, and that would position parts of uh, uh, the uh, pan-African economy as a very viable manufacturing base.
0: Yeah, large population population. Uh, low labour costs, uh, geographically, strategically positioned, lovely. Proximity to ports, etc. 100%. Yeah. So so Adrian, I think, uh, you know, uh, we've got lots of great feedback in terms of your concept of pivot, proactive adaptation. Uh, You know, how do you shift strategy? How do you position strategy in a different way? And what's interesting, uh, talking about this is new, um, is we've started to see that eight weeks perhaps of a reset, of a lockdown, if you want to call it that, has given companies a chance perhaps to look at their company differently and imagine what the possibilities might be going yeah. forward. Yeah. Uh, do you see this in the strategy spaces going to continue to happen as we open up, that companies start reimagining ways in which they look at their business model or how they deliver the value or the strategic choices that they take, or do you think it was just a pivot in the short term? Uh,
1: if, if it's a pivot in the short term, then I think the, the, the gift of the crisis will have been lost. Yeah. uh uh, that the gift of the crisis is it reminds us that um the future is unknowable Uh, you know uh, no one saw global financial crisis coming very few saw COVID 19 coming something else will come in the next three years five years ten years within you know certainly within our careers something else is going to come that has the ability to take down economies uh, entirely redefine countries and break businesses. Uh, If we walk past this as well, the crisis has gone back to business as usual. I think we've lost the moment. Yeah. So on that
0: moment, right, Miga Motene asks the question, uh, how do we in this ability to reimagine what the future looks like? How do we start to look at the possibility of accelerating more inclusive economic growth? And, and yeah. she speaks about it as non-state. What can civilians—the word that she uses—how can citizens play a more active role in terms of more
1: inclusive models of growth? Uh, I mean, we need two days to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but I think the answer is in that question: is if certainly if South Africa recovers back to uh, a V-shaped, and I, I've just written an article with Ronak Kapaldas uh, from, uh, uh, who's a, uh, a colleague at the. A fellow at the Gibbs uh, Center for African uh, Management and Markets um, is if South Africa participates in a v-shaped recovery and gets back to where we were without redesigning and reinventing then forget about companies having lost the crisis the, the, the gift of the crisis the country will have lost the gift of the crisis and here is a chance for South Africa's inequality, exclusion uh, has been laid bare. If we haven't seen that uh, uh, in this environment, then we are asleep at the wheel. So uh, uh, it's a public and it's a private uh, initiative. It's not their work, it's our work that we have to do as a collective uh, and South Africa's recovery has to take the shape of different form, different engagement, it must take the shape of inclusive growth. Um, And there is lots of ways in which we can do that. Uh, Some examples are in that note if anyone wants to go and uh, look it up. We've given a couple of examples of how that growth might look taking on a completely different shape and form. Lovely. I think,
0: uh, you know, Adrian, what we'll do is we'll put the link of that note uh, onto uh, the platform here. Uh, I want to maybe, I know time's always short, uh, but really take the opportunity to thank you for your insights, for your contribution. And then thank all of you for participating in the session, for your valued contribution. Um, I think there's been a number of questions as to whether the recording will be available. Yes, we'll put it onto uh, the YouTube channel that we have as Gibbs. Um, And then also we've got an email address, uh, smmehelp uh, at gibbs.co.za if you've got any further questions. Uh, what we'll do is also put the link uh, in terms of that article that Adrian and Ronak have written together Uh, and really this is an opportunity for us to continue to engage and interact as I said in the beginning uh, JP Morgan and the Entrepreneurship Development Academy here at Gibbs uh, have come together in a ten-part series to really look at how do we uh, add value and contribute to small business owners and leaders in the small business environment to think about ways in which we can contribute to your business, its sustainability. uh, And so this is the fourth of a 10 part series that we put together. So I'll be with you again next week from 1.30 to 2. uh, We will talk about leadership uh, and specifically contextual leadership with Professor Karen Skippers, uh, who's also a colleague here at Gibbs. Uh, I wanna thank you for spending the the last half an hour with us and also thank JP Morgan and the team here at Gibbs uh, for putting these sessions together. Uh, I wish you a, a good rest of the day. Thank you very much.